1: Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range and Toolmart the complete tool centre serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, a very good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Sports Day WA on this Tuesday. As you heard, all thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, serving WA for over 45 years. When you look at what happened uh, with uh, the trade today, it was, you know, fairly quiet, really, when you look over the scheme of things... Um, Although we did get our first player trade done with James Harms joining the Western Bulldogs, Ben Mackay's free agency move to North Melbourne was also made official with the Roos receiving pick number three as compensation. And there was, however, no movement on Essendon's other likely free agent acquisition in Jade Gresham. Here on this side of the country, we're talking about a contracted player in Lockie Schultz who appears due to personal reasons and more family reasons, uh, needs to return back to Victoria. And his preferred club, reportedly, is Collingwood, who are prepared to look at a four-year deal with a trigger for a fifth year. Now, Peter Bell, who's the head of the football department and operations at the Fremantle Football Club, has been called upon to justify exactly what's transpired. And this is what he had to say when he found out about the trade request and contract status regarding Lockie Schultz?
2: Yeah, start with the the contract part. Yeah, he hit a contract trigger during the year for an additional uh, year on his contract through to the end of 2024. Um, We've also had and been in discussions with with Lockie and his management um, around a a further contract extension on on top of that for an additional uh, couple of years as well. So um, that's been ongoing. We were advised uh, on yeah yesterday morning um, that uh, that that Lockie was after being back in Victoria for a period of time was interested in a move to Collingwood. Um, Look, with the context and background that you do have, um, and the nature of trade period, you're you're never um, completely surprised. But I mean, and I want to be really careful here as well. And this is not critical of Lockie, but we'd had conversations around him where he'd given a commitment to to play through uh, to his contract to continue those negotiations. So on that basis, I guess there was a, there was an element of surprise that the request came, given that you know our list manager had had those conversations with him and his manager. But acknowledging clearly that circumstances can change and change pretty quickly, and, and that seems to be the case with Lockie.
1: Mm, so that's uh, the significant story again today for the good oil for Cobram Estate, premium Australian extra virgin olive oil. But the big question is, and Peter Bell was... Asked about it on the Fremantle Football Club regularly losing players over the last two or three seasons.
2: Yeah, they're they're, they're differing differing cases, and you know every case is different. Um, there's there's some layers to to Lockie's situation that that we understand. Um, I wouldn't use the term anger. Uh, frustration is fair, and, and disappointment. Um, that, that I think that's a fairer way of putting it, and that's what every club deals with when they have players who, who ask to leave or, or see greater opportunity elsewhere, depending on the circumstances, of course. But yeah, I think Angle would be a bit over the top, but definitely disappointment, yeah.
1: And what about on the concern of losing players?
2: No, I think you look at them case by case, Damo, and, and look, I think every club would say this every now and again. There's one or two you'd love to keep, and that's certainly the case for us as well. There's also a large contingent that, that go with our support as well to to seek greater opportunity. And there's players at the time, uh, and I'll use Chez as an example, who, who we loved in his time here at, at Fremantle and is a great teammate, really solid character. And at the time, we're thinking, oh, you know, we really don't want to lose him, and, and he's a great player and a, and a great character. But we're able to turn... Uh, the pick from Adam Cherry into Jai Amos, who, who kicks 40 goals as a 19-year-old key forward. And looks really um, and good, doesn't really he? Hard, yeah, yeah. And, looks really, and they're really hard to find. So change in and of itself um, can sometimes offer you great opportunity as well. And, look, Phil's well-equipped to talk about it. GWS have had a, a, for a variety of different reasons, but, you know, a high turnover of players as well. And yet yeah, they were unbelievably competitive and, and keep uh, more often than not performing at the spiky end of the ladder.
1: So there you go, Peter Bell, uh, the uh, football head of the football department, uh, talking about Lockie Schultz. Your thoughts on what he had to say on AFL Trade Radio today, which you can hear on SEN, AFL Trade Radio? Uh, whether it appears for mine that he, they really haven't got much of an option. It appears that Lockie Schultz, for personal reasons and, and family based reasons, needs to return at the request possibly of his partner, to Melbourne. And Lockie is in a situation where if those circumstances hadn't prevailed, he'd probably be quite happy to spend next season at Fremantle. And as Peter Bell mentioned, there was even in the wings an opportunity to try and even extend his tenure at the Fremantle Football Club. But that all is now certainly up in the air. Whether he chooses to play next year, uh, with his partner supposedly going back to Melbourne, remains to be seen. But it appears that uh, Lockie, at this stage, is supportive of his partner and feels probably for the for family reasons and personal reasons he should be heading back with her to Victoria. Uh, that uh, update, thanks to Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested, and first cold pressed in Northern Victoria, the lead story of today. Now, for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand, just a couple of other bits and pieces of sport that have been happening. Now, cricket is set to make an Olympic comeback for the first time in 128 years after being proposed for inclusion at the 2028 LA Games. If accepted, that would lock it in also for Brisbane in 2032. Other sports on the list for inclusion in L.A. are flag football. Can someone tell me what flag football is? That's included possibly at the L.A. games. Hey, do you know what flag football is? No, that is a real blank look. Now, get on the tempera bedshed text machine, please, and educate me, 0487 736 736. What is flag football? OK, well, anyway, we'll see what our listeners have to say. Now, Hida has actually told me something in my headphones. I didn't get it all, but something about ripping things out. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Also included could be lacrosse, squash, baseball and softball. The latter two have featured at several Olympics, but will not be played next year in Paris. But it looks like cricket, T20 could be at the LA Games, and we'll know soon. And talks between Super Netball Players and Netball Australia have broken down over a new collective player agreement according to the Australian Netball Players Association. Now, the Australian Netball Players Association have stated players believe they had bent over backwards to make significant concessions without similar moves from Netball Australia, and they've called for mediation ...to achieve a breakthrough. A couple of the major stories in other sports... ...all thanks to Polaris' plate clearance deals on now. Save $2,000 on the Ranger 1000 EPS... ...plus get $1,000 free accessories. What's that sport again? It is flag football. If you know what it is... ...educate this gentleman that's on radio at the moment that is talking to you about flag football. 0487 736 736. On the other side of the break, we're going to go to India because a World Cup is on. Now, forget about the Rugby World Cup. We spoke to Mickey Collis last night on the Shamozzle regarding the Wallabies. In fact, they're flying back to Australia as we speak. There's another World Cup. And can we do better there Uh, with Australia? They lost their first game against India. Their next match is on Thursday against South Africa. South Africa clobbered Sri Lanka for 428 runs the other night, and there were three centurions. We know it's a long competition, and the top four get through to the semis, and everybody plays each other. But you don't want to start 0 and two. And there's a couple of games currently underway as well. And we'll bring you up to date with those uh, as well. I think it's England taking on Bangladesh and Sri Lanka taking on Pakistan. So we're going to speak to Bharat uh live from India on the other side of the break. And a bit later on, we're going to talk to Perth Glory because it's their season launch tomorrow, a big breakfast at Fraser's Restaurant to launch the A-League men's and women's season. And a man that was brought over last year, uh, who is an attacking midfielder, probably scored the goal of the season for the glory in that come-from-behind 3-2 victory against the Western Sydney Wanderers, is Aaron McKennaff. I'm going to find more about his backstory. He's got a very interesting backstory and also we'll ask him a couple of questions on how he feels a Perth glory will fare this season. So don't go away. Stay with us. We'll go to the subcontinent next here on Sports Day WA. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, welcome back to Sports Day WA. I love talking to this bloke, but also love interacting with you, our listener. We've got some texts coming through uh, on Lockie Shorts, uh, Lee, and a few others. We've got uh, Bobby. Uh, if you want to also... Continue sending text on the temperate bedshed text machine. Do it. 0487 736 736. Or give us a call. You can. 13 12 55. We can chat anytime here on sports day. WA wherever you may be the length and breadth of this wonderful state of Western Australia. Well, it's a lovely place. It's a magical place, India. It's got so much to offer. If you're a tourist and it's got so much to offer. If you're a cricket fan, because for many people, It's where cricket is the Mecca uh, because of uh, how they love that sport in India. And that's where the World Cup's been staged. And Bharat and he's loving it too. He's covering it for SEN. Thanks for joining us, Bharat. Thank you so much, uh,
0: Peter. And like like you said, uh, I'm just having lunch here at a um, a generic restaurant. And um, what do you know? It's uh, cricket season, so they have install these television screens uh, literally next to every table. Mm -hmm. And what do you expect they're playing? Uh, It's uh, Pakistan and Sri Lanka playing in their World Cup encounter. So cricket everywhere, everywhere you look. Uh, It still hasn't really reached fever pitch, but we're getting there.
1: Yeah, interesting, actually. There's two games currently underway. England, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Sri Lanka. So we've got three nations in Pakistan, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, which very much are are close cousins and neighbours to India
0: exactly. Yeah. and uh, don't uh, leave out of Afghanistan, who will be playing tomorrow uh, against the against the Indians. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're right. It's um, um, it's it's a kind of tournament where you know because it goes on for so long. I think there will be um, you know ups and downs, not just in terms of team fortune, but also in terms of uh, the interest levels. Uh, I spoke to you last week about. Uh, the Asian games, now they have ended, so the focus will, like it's kind of centered around around cricket. Um, and yeah, two really good games as well. I think England have uh, racked up a big score, but mm. it's, uh, they look like flat conditions or uh, in the hills in Dharamsala, so Bangladesh wouldn't uh, rule themselves out. And Pakistan Sri Lanka such traditional rivals. Uh, it's good to see their game set up well.
1: Yeah, David Malam made 140 for England, Uh, Joe Root 82. They were the leaders in what was a big score of 50 overs, nine for 364 England, and now Bangladesh will try and run those down, but you think they're certainly up against it. And the other match, as we know, is uh, Pakistan taking on Sri Lanka, and uh, it is Sri Lanka who are batting. That started a bit later, and they are now... One for 53. One for 53 off nine overs, so we'll keep you up to date with that. Brett, let's have a look at Australia first. Uh, They got beaten against India the other day. At one stage, India were three wickets for two, and certainly their backs to the wall. A lot has been said about the Mitch Marsh drop catch uh, off Virat Collie. It could have been four for 20, and maybe the outcome could have been a little different. How did you see it?
0: Uh, no, you know, obviously, when you have someone uh, of the caliber of Virat Crowley in in a run chase as well, you know, uh, offering a chance like that and for it to go to ground uh, would have you know, eventually sunk Australia's chances. Uh, and I mean, credit to them after they were bowled out for 199 or they got to 199, they had to do something special early on with a new ball. This is exactly what Josh Hazelwood and Mitchell Stark did. Um, and at 4 for 20, you would have said Australia were firm favourites. But I think the game was lost more more in the first innings. Uh, you know, they uh, started well, Australia. They were, what, 1-74 after the 16th over. From that point on, the collapse and for them to not even make two twenty two thirty, I think is where they lost the game. I mean, obviously, you can look at drop catches all you want. Uh, but if they had put up 230, like they did uh, earlier this year at this very end or at that very venue, uh, I think they would have had a much better chance with their bowling attack. Uh, But also, compared to March, when they won in Chennai, there's so much more Dew uh, on the ground. And Dew is going to play a big factor this time of the year as we travel around India, as Australia found out.
1: Mm. Interesting. Their next assignment is against South Africa, who bludgeoned Sri Lanka. They scored 428. And there were three centurions in their uh, innings, the likes of de at the top van der Dusen, and I like Markram. I reckon Markram could be one of the players of the tournament. Wow. Bats around about number 4-5, mm. comes in and he's a very, very good player in this form of the game. When I spoke to you last week, you predicted that South Africa could have a good tournament.
0: Oh, yeah, and they've really flown under the radar, haven't they? Uh, it's, it's the batting that he just spoke about here. I mean, um, Markram at 4, and he's played a lot of ball cricket in India. He's an IPL captain as well. Uh, and even though we saw the really aggressive, ultra-aggressive side of sport, this World Cup ever, he's got other gears as well. Like, so if, in case South Africa do lose early wickets, he has the game to counter-spin and maneuver-spin around, much like, say, Steve Smith um, or Amanis Labushain. So uh, that's why he's such a dangerous uh, you know, uh, potential candidate for man of the series, like you said, or player of the series. Uh, and because of that but then they also have the power of Heinrich Klaasin and Rusty Wanda and um, so many more and uh, Marco Janssen started hitting some big sixes as well and the balance of their attack I mean yes Sri Lanka put on quite a show to make 326 against them but it was always going to be just one way so it's a big challenge for us especially considering the fact that this is coming off that defeat to India um, and we relayed pitches in Lucknow we really don't know how they're going to play nobody seems to know and um, So maybe the pitch will play a role in it. But if it is a flat pitch, then uh, watch out, Australia. The South African team looks hungry.
1: Mm -hmm. Saying that, it's a long tournament and there's plenty of games to be played, but you wouldn't want to start with no wins from your first two matches. It's imperative that Australia get on the board. You Do not want to be chasing your tail in this tournament?
0: Oh, not at all. I mean, even though it is long, uh, the matches are spaced pretty tightly to each other. I mean, there is a break for Australia after... Uh, between the New Zealand and the England games later in the month but uh, at at this stage yeah I mean even even if you're not winning consecutive games you don't want to lose consecutive games and then you're right then you start you know putting a lot of pressure on yourself and then suddenly the seven remaining matches uh, that don't count as just opportunities for you to come back but uh, you put yourself into a must-win situation in every game, and that's when most teams falter. So, yeah, I mean, Australia would want to get their campaign right. It, it is a tough start for them in terms of the schedule. You have India, South Africa, and a very tricky team in Sri Lanka um, uh, in the, for their first three games. But, yeah, I mean, you don't want to be facing Sri Lanka later on this week, uh, 2-0 down, uh, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Saying that, looking at the Australian makeup for Sri Lanka, Mitch Marsh has had more better games than bad games. That was a one that he'll want to forget the other night. Out with no, yeah. no score. I think he lasted six deliveries and got caught in the cordon and then that dropped chance. Uh, he'd be feeling it. Uh, a bit of pressure on him at the top of the order in that match against South Africa. Do you sense any subtle changes to be made by the selection panel?
0: Oh, look, um, uh, I was just um, at the team hotel a while back uh, speaking to Glenn Maxwell, who's doing a, who did a press conference for the Aussie press. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, he just based on what he said, and just I bumped into Marcus Stoinis as well, looks like Stoinis will be back, uh, replacing his fellow Western Australian all-rounder in the middle order. Remember, there are just so many of them floating around these days. Um, that's the only change uh, I, I see happening. And it's a good change as well. I mean, Marcus Stoinis might not... Or might not be as consistent with the bat as, say, he would like to be, much like Cam Green. But he has been really good with the ball, with the new ball and liquid ball first change. And it just gives Australia more variety with the ball, and which you will need against this firepower South African batting lineup.
1: Yeah, I've seen Marcus Stoinis actually in the T20 competition actually open the bowling. And I suppose that's always an option, depending on what sort of wicket it is. If it's a gluey sort of uh, wicket where the ball doesn't come onto the bat, someone like Marcus Stoinis could be quite handy.
0: Oh, very much so. And it's a role that Australia have developed him for uh, in recent times. He opened the bowling uh, pretty much every game in South Africa uh, and a couple of times in India as well. You're right, he opens the bowling in the IPL as well. And he's a very canny operator, quicker than you think he is. Uh, But it would be, uh, especially on the basis of how well they bowled uh, three days ago, uh, for him to get the nod ahead of Hazelwood or Stark with the new ball, that is. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, you never know. I mean, you could always mix and match with, with Stoinis on the side. And, you know, this is his home ground as well. Don't forget that he plays for the... He's one of their marquee players for the Lucknow Super Giants in the IPL. So he wouldn't be complaining uh, about the fact that he's got two uh, games back-to-back in his adopted home ground.
1: And before we let you go, Mitchell Stark, as we know, in a warm-up game, got a hat-trick against the Netherlands. Uh, I think he's bowling very well. There's been some criticism in this form of the game that sometimes Mitch Stark gives the the batsman a bit too much width, particularly outside the off-stump. How do you see his bowling at this point in time?
0: Uh, No, I mean, just overall, uh, he was by far the best bowler for Australia in the Ashes. Uh, different format, yes, but I mean, he's always been a gun fight ball bowler, and and this is his format. I mean, he could, he, I mean, there are times in T20 cricket which he doesn't play too much of, uh, where he can go bl- uh, like you know, blow hot and cold, but from one day cricket he's always super consistent. He always gets you wickets. He doesn't go for too many runs uh, in this format like he could in some others. So uh, no, I think he started really well the other day. gave uh, that uh, early breakthrough as well. Uh, so no, I think Stark and Hazelwood are just bowling the house down, uh, and you just know Cummins will get better and better as this tournament progresses. From a bowling perspective, Australia look pretty, uh, pretty solid, uh, but it's, it's that middle order that needs to fire. Uh, and I mean, uh, post number four, if if they have to, like you know, get, just get over the line against South Africa, but also start getting more consistent
1: as uh, this tournament wears on. Good on you, Brad. I'll let you get back to your lunch. Uh, thanks very much for joining <laughs> us on the program. We're really looking forward to this match on Thursday. It should be a beauty. It gets underway at 4.30 in the afternoon, uh, Western Standard Time. That's Perth time and throughout Western Australia. Thanks for your time and we'll talk again soon.
0: Thank you so much. You have a great
1: evening. Good on you, Brat. Barat Sander joining us live from India there. Uh, Thursday night, it gets underway. It should be a beauty. Just before we take a break, let's have a look at a couple of the texts here. Hi, Peter and team. have been hearing that half the Dockers board members aren't happy about losing more players. And Freo members and fans want Peter Bell gone. That's uh, Lisa of Ellenbrook. And Bobby says that's why Freo lost Bradley Hill because his girlfriend wanted to go back to Melbourne. Now you're telling us it's Lockie's girlfriend. Thank God for the girlfriends of Caleb, uh, Sarong, Hayden, and who don't want to go home and support their partners. Okay. All right. Good on you, Bobby. Thanks for joining us. Uh, You can join us any time on the Tempera Bedshare text machine. It it happens now. It happens. And it's going to happen more and more and more uh, that, you know, in the end, footballers and this generation – Because they have to be uprooted from their home base and play in other states. We've seen it more so in recent years about players wanting to go back. And it's going to happen more and more and more. So that's why I'm saying West Coast Eagles, get Dan Curtin. Uh, If I was selecting, I'd get Dan Curtin or split your picks. Because I reckon Lockie, um, Harley Reid will eventually go back to Melbourne. That's my prediction. But anyway, that's just me talking out loud. Uh, It's 27 past five. You're listening to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. Thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, World performance car of the year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. And don't forget, Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American football's biggest game, worth over $70,000, to shop in-store at Beaumont's before November 12th and you're in with a chance to win. TNCs do apply. Don't go away. More after the break. AFL Trade Radio, thanks to Continental Tyres right here on ACN. Of course, Continental Tyres. That was today's AFL Trade update, which shows it was a bit quiet uh, today because, uh, in the end, James Harms joined the Western Bulldogs. Ben Mackay's free agency move to North Melbourne was completed, but there was no moving on Essendon's other likely free agent acquisition in Jade Gresham. As I said, Continental Tyres uh, bring you AFL Trade Radio, and that was today's AFL Trade update. Now, to save time and water, Ira is here. Now, Tommy Mitchell's come out and gone whack, whack. On Hawthorne, uh, the premiership player for the Magpies, and the reasons why he left the Hawks. I think the way they try and do it
2: is that they want to make you ask to leave rather than them push you out. That's how I I think. Well, not they... not
3: to name names, but was there some people there that you th- were disappointed in that took it wrongly? No, nah, not really.
2: No, it's a business. Like when you when you realise that it's a business, I don't think there is a lot of loyalty in footy. Like I, you know, I feel like I played. Some good footy at Hawks and, um, you know, I threw everything into it. I worked as hard as I possibly could. Um, Everyone would know that. But um, I just didn't really feel valued at at all, you know, in terms of what I could help and contribute with to the group.
1: So there you go, whack whack. Uh, The Hawks, uh, Tom Mitchell, uh, he's laughing all the way uh, to a premiership now, and also possibly to the bank. Uh, Interesting regarding what's happening with Tom Hawkins, the Geelong great. Still, reportedly, there's frustrations over the disagreement his manager is having with Geelong. The 35-year-old is still unsigned for 2024, but wants a contract at the Cats that would extend his career into an 18th season. But at the moment, nothing has been formalised. Uh, that update, uh, all thanks to Irrigear that offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions to save time and water, Irrigear is here. And don't forget, uh, the Wildcats, uh, we're on board with them. You can join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member today. Just uh, check everything online. OK, we've got to take another quick break. And then after the break, I'm going to speak to a gentleman who... Played for Northern Ireland, played for Ireland, spent some time at Tottenham Hotspur, is still a Spurs fan, but now is about to embark on his second season at the Perth Glory. The Perth Glory A-League men's and women's teams will uh, launch their campaign tomorrow in a lavish breakfast at Fraser's Restaurant. Uh, That is the Perth Glory launch, and Aaron McKennaff, is going to join us for a chat after the break, and I'm going to find out a bit more about what is a fairly interesting background. Plus, ask him a couple of questions about the season coming up. Don't go away. This is Sports Day WA. The all-electric Kia
2: EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range, and
1: Toolman, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Peter Blahos. It's all thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. The Perth Glory have got their launch tomorrow morning. It's happening at Fraser's Restaurant. Uh, It's breakfast style this year. And as we know, the A-League Women's gets underway On the 14th, uh, the round one and on the 22nd, the Perth Glory will be playing their very first game of the season at HBF Park against the Newcastle Jets. That is the A-League men, while the A-League women can start a week earlier on the 14th and they take on Western United at Macedonia Park. 7pm kickoff on that Saturday. Anyway, let's uh, preview the season coming up. A man that'll be playing his second season with the Perth Glory uh, is a man called Aaron McKenna, and he joins us on the programme now. Aaron, thanks for your time. Me on. Uh, it's great having you on, and uh, no doubt you're looking forward to the start of your second season after having a taste of uh, the Perth Glory and the A-League last season.
3: Yeah, look, I've got a uh, year under my belt, now being here, and um well settled um, uh, in Perth. Uh, me and my family love it, and um you know, having known the club and you know, known all my teammates a lot better, I'm I'm looking forward to the new season starting, and uh, you know, hopefully it's a successful one this season.
1: As you know, in football, uh, changes happen fairly regularly. Brand new coach in Alan Stadjic and he's got uh, certainly his support staff. A few new players have been recruited. Uh, nothing stands still in football. Your thoughts on the new look Perth Glory for the new season? Yeah, as you said
3: um, yourself, you know, nothing stands still in football and football's a game that doesn't wait for anybody. So um, each year, every club, I suppose, makes changes of some sort and um, there's been a lot of change really at our club uh, throughout the off-season and during pre-season. But um, I think uh, it's all been positive and there's been a, a positive environment and around training um, and then around, you know, the friendlies and stuff that we've played. Um,
1: so I think everybody's moving in the, in the right direction towards the start of the season. It seems and, to have been, um, well, it seems to have been a very good pre-season, Aaron. You mentioned friendlies. You played a couple with Melbourne Victory. Uh, Tony Popovich, former Perth Glory coach, brought the victory over here. You played one game at Hay Park in Bunbury and recorded a 3-1 victory. And then, of course, the return game was at Dorian Gardens about a week later. And you got beaten by four goals to nil. Talk about chalk and cheese yeah. performances. Can you explain <laughs> what transpired there? Was it a case of giving everybody an opportunity in the squad?
3: Yeah, look, it's uh, in pre-season friendly, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, I think a lot of the times it's about guys getting minutes on and under their belt and, you know, getting that real match fitness that you need towards the start of the season and um you said it yourself, it was chalk and cheese. Uh the second game was disappointing because, you know, um there was a few changes to the squad that played down in Bunbury, but um, you know, we we just weren't weren't good enough on the night to be honest. And uh we have to rectify, you know, the mistakes that were made that night and, you know, I suppose that's why you play these games and it, it's good to play them against good quality opposition and Melbourne victory because you want to rectify the mistakes before the season starts.
1: Let's have a look at your yourself before we come back to the A-League and a couple of final questions on the Perth glory. It's interesting that when you are a young fella, uh, maybe about 10 years ago, you had some youth trials at Tottenham Hotspur. Well, Tottenham Hotspur, as we know here in Australia, is everybody's favourite team now because Ange Postacoglu is in charge. Do you still follow him subtly, having experienced uh, some football there at White Hart Lane?
3: Yeah, well, I haven't been at <clears throat> Tottenham for three years. When I was younger, you know, I still got people in and around the clubs that I would know, and um, I wouldn't say I'm a Tottenham fan. I grew up a Man United fan, but uh, yeah, I've been I've been keeping a close eye on how they've been doing this year, and since Ange has gone in, the way they the way that East Scotland got playing football is amazing to watch. So um, it is exciting. Come a Saturday at, you know, 10 o'clock or whatever time they're playing. Uh, I have watched most of their games and, you know, they've been doing really well this year.
1: Yeah. They're playing some exciting football. Interesting. When you're at Spurs, I believe the technical director at the time was Tim Sherwood, who is a pretty well-known name in English football. He remarked, that he thought uh, you reminded him of a young Roy Keane. Was that correct? Yeah, he did say that, yeah. <laughs> how did you take that on board? Because we know how good Roy Keane was, and, of course, he is from yeah. the same part of the world as you.
3: Yeah, he said that when I was younger, and obviously, um, you know, it's, it's one of them things. That it becomes a, a bit of a headline, and, uh, yeah, if I lived up to them, ex- expectations I'd be doing well Um, because Roy Keane, what a player. He's one of my heroes.
1: Yeah, no, he was an outstanding footballer There isn't uh, a person that didn't enjoy watching Roy Keane play. Tell us about your early journey. Of course, you played a lot of games at Derry City. Uh, Then Mm -hmm. you, Shamrock Rovers, which is the big club in Ireland, before going to Scotland. Tell us about your journey before coming down under.
3: Yeah, so I've, I've, you know, played... I was at Tottenham for three years and then went back home and signed for my hometown club, Derry City and um, got a lot of games on the rebuild as a young player. And, um, you know, suppose learned a lot about myself as a player whilst I was there and um, then went on to Shamrock Rovers and sort of built on them performances and, you know, gained a lot more experience and sort of went from, I suppose, a boy to a man. People would say sort of that, you know. Um, I became like a proper first team player and a big part of a team that went on. They won the league uh, and a cup as well. There, so um, loved it uh, both at Derry and at Shamrock Rovers, and then got my move over to Hearts and um, <clears throat> was at Hearts for eighteen months. Um, I thought I contributed quite quite well whenever whenever I did play, but um ultimately, you know, as a footballer you only play every week and I find myself in the team at times and uh, you know, coming off the bench and that and I just thought it would have been best for my career to move on uh in the summertime, uh last year, to go and try and play every week and then the the opportunity to come the to Australia it it kind of came out of the blue really and um, it was one that I thought was best at the time for myself and my family and
1: here I am and I'm personally at the minute. Yeah, good stuff. Of course, you played uh, for Northern Ireland at youth level, representative football, but then you switched allegiances to the Republic of Ireland, where I believe you were called up uh, to the senior squad for a. Uh, a Nations League game against Bel- Bulgaria towards the end of 2020. What made you change your allegiance from the north to the south?
3: Um, to be honest, I've I've always grown up uh, considering myself Irish. Um, got an Irish passport, and you know that's that's that really um, I consider myself Irish. Always grew up with the Republic of Ireland, tops. Um, watching the Republic of Ireland as a young boy, and it was a dream for me to to play for my country, um, and I consider Republic Ireland as
1: my country, and, you know, there's not too much else to say Man. on that, really. So saying that, when you represented Northern Ireland, I believe, you yeah, know, the 21s level, 19s and the 17s level, how did that come about when, of course, your allegiances were to the green?
3: Yeah, well, obviously, I'm, I come from Derry, um, which is in Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. and there was, you know, there was programs and stuff for lads that were doing quite well at the time um, to go and play games. And uh, I suppose I went and played the games and, you know, I, I had a lot of good coaches at that time, but um, when I played in the youth games at Northern Ireland, uh, met a lot of great mates and I'm still mates with and stuff. But as I said before, uh, ultimately I always believe that I'm Irish and, mm. you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of talk goes on about this sort of situation when people switch over and stuff, but as I said, there's not really too much to say on it. Um, that's just what I believe and what I've always believed as a youngster. That um, a dream for me was to go and play for the Republic of Ireland, and uh, you know the opportunity sort of arose, and I
1: I chose to switch. Yeah, fantastic. Just before we go back to the glory, uh, we're seeing Ireland, of course, they're ready to take on the All Blacks in the Rugby World Cup that's currently in France. We know rugby is a big sport in Ireland, as is Gaelic football, as is football the code that you play. Do they all have a, their own battlegrounds? And how popular are the three codes for a smallish country?
3: Uh, look, sports sports is massive in general in, in Ireland. and um, I played Gaelic football when I was younger as well. Um, I played Gaelic football and football, and then I chose to continue and play football, you know, the one that I've got, had a career in. Um, but yeah, all three are, are huge. And, uh, you know, you look at the the Gaelic football or even the Hurling, and when it comes to the All-Ireland all semifinals or finals, Croke Park is packed out. You look at the rugby when Ireland play or even... Leinster, Munster, Ulster, you know, whenever they're playing, the, the, the Aviva Stadium can be packed out and the atmosphere is brilliant. And you only have to go on social media and take a look at the atmosphere that's created by the fans for the Rugby World Cup. Um, some of the videos and stuff have been brilliant. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a big sporting nation and um, it's really, really really good. They see the, the rugby boys doing so well it.
1: Yeah, no, it's going to be a big one on the weekend against the All Blacks. should be an absolute beauty. As for the Wallabies, we won't talk about it because they're on their way home. I
3: fancy us, by the way. Eh? I fancy
1: us, by the way. Oh, you fancy yourselves against the All Blacks. It'd be a beauty. It should be an absolute beauty. (laughs) A couple of final questions. Uh, The Glory, 22nd of October. Uh, Do you feel inside yourself that this is going to be a better season than your first campaign, where the Glory finished ninth and, in some ways, out of finals contention. They need to be playing finals football. Do you reckon you can turn it around this season?
3: Well, um, firstly, I'm glad that the longest pre-season and world football's over, or nearly over, <laughs> um, and the games are going to begin. Uh, because as as footballers, you just want to play, play league games and stuff and have that buzz and, you know, have that feel in a stadium with the fans and that. So... That's the third first thing I would say and to be honest, we've we've got uh, a lot of players that are still here from last year. Um, you know, a good core of a of a good group of lads and you know, we'll be looking to build on what we what we done last year. Um, you know, there was a lot of aspects that just weren't good enough and we know that and, you know, it's up to us as players mm. to go and go and set things in the right direction and it all starts on the 22nd, like you say. So um, in the next week and a half or two weeks, we'll be we'll be getting ourselves ready for the first game.
1: You're a very talented player. I'm looking forward to seeing. You, you had a few injuries last season, which uh, curtailed your appearances. I think to about 13 for the campaign. So you really probably played right. half the season, didn't you, Aaron? In the end, so yeah, it's, it was, go on. It was frustrating to be honest, Peter. Yeah. Well, you reckon you're fit, and hopefully you you stay fit and healthy and Play most games or if not all games uh, in the Perth yeah, they, do, I've got, they, they, uh, they do need you because you're a creative player
3: yeah I've had uh, you know the injuries I had last year they were one of them was uh, an injury that shouldn't have really happened but it, it happened and I dealt with it, um, it was a, bit of a freak injury where someone just stood in my foot and I ended up having to get surgery Um. so that was an accident basically and then you know I had a wee injury towards the end of the season, um, but the season was kind of running out, so I didn't want to risk it for for the sake of a game or so. Um, but yeah, I've had a I feel like I've had a good pre-season. I missed a few of the games. We just a bit of strain um, a few weeks ago, but I feel fit and I feel ready to go. And you know, I'll be doing everything to just keep my body right for for the 26 league games because. Um, You know, there's a short season, and if you pick up a few injuries like I did last year, then you know, as you said, you end up only playing half of it. So, I'll be doing everything to keep my body right, to play in the in the games, and you know, help the team push up the
1: table as much as we can. Yeah, first game: Perth Glory Newcastle Jets, Sunday, 22nd October, HBF Park. Kickoff is at 4:45. PM. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Looking forward to uh, seeing you play uh, this season for the Perth Glory. Looking forward to the start of the campaign. It's just around the corner now. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Peter. Aaron McEnough there, the midfielder for the Perth Glory, a very good player, and if he stays on the park, the Glory will be a better outfit than last season. It's always good, actually, to just jump in because we get a lot of people from overseas playing professional football or professional sport here in Australia, and it's always good to actually get their backstory on how it uh, all eventuated, where they came from, their experiences, before lobbying, of course, uh, in our backyard. That's been the program for today. Just before I go, the leg up, Australia's fastest-growing tipping service. We're looking at Warwick Farm tomorrow. It's race six, number 11, Serene Nick. Now, this mare is worth a gamble at the odds, she beat a couple of city-class mayors three back and has had excuses at a past two. She was spec at double-figure odds last time out but was completely luckless. She couldn't get clear galloping room and she looked like she had plenty to offer. She's in well at the weights here and maps to land right behind the speed. Can win at odds. So there you go. Get a leg up on the bookies with Australia's fastest-growing tipping service thelegup.com.au Thanks to Paul Heath heater as we call him here and also Connor for helping us with the running of the program and the production of the program here this afternoon. This has been Sports Day WA